0: Welcome into "I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting," the self-proclaimed 43rd best Bama podcast on the internet. Here are your hosts, Tom Sims and Jason Tiffin. Is that the way you want it, rest Man, that's easy. right. Hey, welcome in to episode fifteen of I'm Not Targeting You're Targeting. I'm half of your host team, Jason Tiffin, along with Tom Sims. Tom, how's it going?
1: I'm the other half, guys. Here I am, ready to ready to get going.
0: You I I, I sense in your the inflection of your voice, the tone of your voice, you're in a good mood, uh, like I myself am in. So why you reckon why we're in such a good mood?
1: I don't know, man. Things seem to be falling our way. Who knows?
0: I'm going to tell you why I'm in a good mood because uh, with our basketball victory Saturday over Tennessee, I'm not charging. Your charging is 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 very close to getting the green light.
1: It's on the horizon, baby. <laughs> I can see it. All <laughs> right, that was enough, a huge win.
0: Enough basketball talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. De- uh, hey, wait. I'm I'm
1: I'm live here on the podcast, and Deb just walked in. Uh, Apparently, she had ordered me a uh, shirt that I didn't know about, and she just brought it in. And it says, uh, "I love it when they call me Big Papa." On it. (laughs) Oh,
0: nice shades of uh, of Cancun. I see. Yeah,
1: Cancun throwback.
0: (laughs) All right, quickly before you've got the commentary, but quickly before you do that, did you see what I sent you? You know, every time Alabama wins, we put out. I I don't know what it's even called. It's like a big placard. I feel like like the ones they do that they probably print off and frame for, you know, uh, athletic department uh, purposes. It's probably like an 18 by 24. But it's, you know, it's a play in the game. And then it's a little slogan that deals with something of the game or something of the team we played. Like uh, for instance, uh, the Auburn one was uh, was Mac Jones, and the title of the poster was "Manager Material" because Bo Nick said that he was a good game manager. And then it lists the score and it lists the players of the game on defense, offense, and special teams. Uh, the one for Baton Rouge, uh, the LSU game, was pain in the neck, you know, because LSU plays neck when they when they feel like paying that ten thousand dollar fine. And then the Florida one, I can't remember what the Florida the uh, the actual Florida one was, but there was an all alternate version called and it was reptile dysfunction which was fantastic <laughs> but did you see the one i sent you on uh, notre dame
1: i don't remember if i did go well, ahead. well i
0: sent it out on the group and uh I, let me make sure it says where the gold at? So it's a play on the leprechaun from Mobile, you know, back oh gosh, yeah 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 fifteen <laughs> years ago. But look, I didn't know this. If you zoom in on the O of Notre Dame, it's got the amateur sketch of the the leprechaun from that newscast, dude. It's, it's the best one ever.
1: So, oh, I, man, now I gotta go back and find it. <laughs>
0: hats off, hats off to whoever comes up with those. Man, that is such a, a little added bonus. And you know the thing with the Auburn, when the manager material, Bo Nix was like ghosted in the background. You could see he was. I don't know any like a, like ghost flames on a motorcycle. You can kind of see him. You kind of can't. Like Bo Nix was probably ten percent. Uh, silhouetted you could tell it was number 10 for Auburn he was in the background behind Mac you know basically Mac was in the forefront uh, but hats off to who's ever doing those posters man they are fantastic you know it, it, it would help my feelings if it was the SEC shorts guys because man they're so funny yeah they're uh, hilarious. but, but anyway so- uh, we've wasted enough talk about nonsense and basketball or basketball and nonsense so Tom you got the commentary I can't wait to hear it let's go I bet you
1: can't well I I was thinking about this, and and what I decided to talk about was a little bit of the coaching carousel, and I'm going to jump around a little bit here. But, you know, early in the season, before the season got started, when we were still in the midst of the pandemic and there were a lot of uh, Corona bros out there, as Clay Travis likes to say, that uh, didn't think we were going to have a season. But when we did, it was a pretty good consensus that, hey, coaches are going to be safe this year. that was far from the truth uh pandemic or not there's been a lot of uh cut bait and run type programs and i got to think about it and i think we've talked about this before and i don't know that we hadn't talked about it before on this podcast and i'm just going to bring it up really quick again but you know when you're looking for coaches a new coach in particular and you feel like you're an elite program or else you want to be an elite program you well let's let's say this you have enough money to pay for an elite coach that's basically what i'm Mm -hmm. saying if you have enough money to pay for an elite coach who you get you know who who will come who's available who can you buy i mean some people you can just buy It's just as simple as that, depending on what what their status is. So one of the things we talked about before was how many current coaches actually have a national championship now? Because that to me is a a sign of being what I would refer to as an elite coach. Mm -hmm. Uh, And maybe that's – well that's one of the criteria i don't maybe if you just have a national championship you may not be considered an elite coach because we'll we'll look at this list real quick but uh but i think to be in the elite category you have to have at least one i would think can you name the coaches current head coaches that are uh that have national championships
0: I think I can. We have talked about this at work recently. The act you're talking about active coaches, active and, coaches, and and I'm going to put them into two groups: uh, active coaches that have a national championship that can win again, and active coaches that have a national championship that's really just put money in the bank. So let's start with that that category first. Les miles at Kansas. He's putting money in the bank. Kansas never going to win a national title. Mac Brown at North Carolina. He's putting money in the bank. He's never going to win it. He has he has got them. Uh, playing a lot better football, but he – let's be honest, dude. He can, can you get out of the ACC with him, with that team? Maybe, but can you win two games in the playoffs? I don't think so. So, there's two of them. Of course, you got Dabo Swinney from Clemson with two. You got Nick Saban at Alabama with five at Alabama and one at LSU. And um, Urban Meyer's out of the game. Gene Chiswick's out of the game. Larry Coker's out of the game. You got Jimbo Fisher. Uh, has won he's at a and m can they win it he he's he's kind of in a a segment between kansas north carolina and bama clemson because we're not sure a and m can win it if they do it will be against the their norm the normative that they have so uh i'm gonna say that's it am i missing any
1: you you missed Ogeron but
0: oh how did i miss him it was last year he just won it last
1: year i'm going
0: to put him in the uh, i'm going to put him in the i'll tell you what he's closer to the Kansas North Carolina segment than he is the Alabama Clemson segment in my opinion
1: well i i, I would I, I like your premise of of separating them into categories and and on, on that point out of the 6 two of them have been fired <laughs> you, you know that's that's my point of uh, you're you're not necessarily elite because you you got to win. Uh, Les Miles and, and Matt Brown both were run off from their respective jobs uh, previously, and so and Ogeron has been close. So I, there's no shot. I'm calling him elite. He's coming off a national title, and and uh, I will say this. Uh, they did self-impose the bowl ban, which is the only reason they didn't go to a bowl. <laughs> 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 they still had a losing record, though. Uh, so, th- th- I guess the point that I'm getting at is, if you're if you're looking for a new coach, and you're you're trying to splash around some money, I don't care how much money you splash around. Uh, you're not coming in and hiring Sabin, You're not coming in and hiring Dabo. You're likely not coming in and hiring Jimbo. And I don't think you're hiring Ogeron. Mm-hmm. I, I, when I say hiring, I don't think, if you're Ohio State, I don't think you can go offer any of those four and get a, get a coach. We know for sure you can't do it in two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you're throwing money around where do you go you know you have to you have to realize that you're gonna pay for somebody who is not elite and that's a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow and one of the things that was surprising about this past weekend was to me anyway Texas firing Herman now Texas has got to be one of the top five Uh, money-based colleges in the country. They can throw whatever kind of money they want at it. I mean, they may be number one when you count all the -the behind-the-scenes donor money. Uh, but So they can hire anybody they want, and didn't you find it curious that they waited so long after the season was over to fire him? And to that point... Wouldn't you have wanted to get it out there early to have your pick of coaches who might be available or might want to move? That all kind of tells me that they fired him only because they targeted and talked to Sarkeesian beforehand. Oh yeah, I mean that's because uh, and and obviously Sarkeesian's not an elite coach, but he's he's certainly good at what he does and for them to you know wait so long and it was it was literally if i'm not mistaken i found out herman was fired that morning and Sarkeesian was the target that afternoon and by the next morning it was done is that not correct
0: I, tom i don't know uh we we had a misty and i went to the game so we had a flight that left at nine forty, so about 9.45, I put a, I put my phone on airplane mode. We flew from Dallas to Birmingham Direct, hour and 15-minute flight. When I got, when we landed and I, I reset, it, reset my phone, I had a text from Gober that said, Herman out, Sarkeesian is the target. And then almost immediately he texted back and said, looks like they're going to get Sarkeesian. So that was within a two-hour span, they fired and hired.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think if they don't get Sarkeesian, they, they retain him. Is, is what I'm thinking, because I, I, I just don't think you, you wait on the window of opportunity if you don't have a play, you know, in the books. Auburn, a little different story. They fired and then opened up a search, and they, they got a lot of egg on their face for that. It didn't didn't go very well. You know, it, it, which which makes me fearful, because I was, after Sarkeesian had turned down the Auburn job, And then last year, he turned down uh, Colorado. I was a little bit hopeful that maybe, you know, he was planning on sticking around for an indefinite period of time and and possibly become a Bama candidate. I still don't know how long Saban coaches, but... Phone's ringing, dude. Yeah, luckily it's not mine. Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Donnie. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh...
1: You know, I just. I'm fearful of who. How our research will go in the future, if that makes sense. Could you imagine getting somebody like Mullen in here at the university?
0: No, it would be not. It would be ungood.
1: Yeah, I mean. The quotes, did you see the quote? Obviously you did. This is a football podcast. We watch football, and these (laughs) quotes did not slide past either one of us. But for Mullen to stand up there in front of a camera after getting dismantled and tell them that uh, he thought their scout team guys played well in the game.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, such disrespect to Oklahoma and his own players, you know.
1: Yes, his own players. Yeah, I remember one year – uh, not too long ago they were they were interviewing coach saban after uh, one of the games and we had had a uh or it might have been a pre you know week interview but we had had a, a major injury and it could have been in the in the linebackers may, maybe that year that we had you know three linebackers or two out for the year and one hobbled or whatever and they were asking him they were like you know what do you do? You know, this is this such bad luck about going forward. Uh, how do you get them around? He's like, we we practice with the guys that we have. We play the game with the guys that we have, and that's the mentality that makes him put Devonte Smith back there as a punt returner. Mm-hmm. Devonte's his best player at that position, and guess what? He's going to play his best player at that position, and if he's no longer available because of injury, that's unfortunate because that's the way the game is played, but next time he'll have the next guy that's the best player at that position. And that's just the way he looks at it, and for somebody like Mullen to sit up there and, and, and give those kind of quotes after the game, I thought that was pretty classless, honestly. And I, I just I hate that... I hate that somebody else is going to be in charge of a coaching search after Saban is gone besides myself. And, that, and, and I'm going to have to live with the consequences of that. I just hope, uh, I hope they see it for what I'm seeing it as.
0: Uh, if Superior Paver uh, continues on present trajectory, you might be on the uh, search committee, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's all I'm looking for. You know, when uh, when the news hit, of course, the, the, the plane from Dallas to Birmingham, you could imagine it was 75% Bama fans who had been to the game. Uh, when it hit, you know, I told Misty, I'm like, this is just great. I said, this is exactly what we need ten, nine days away from the national title. It, it, it never fails, you know, our offensive coordinator is leaving. And uh, some guys heard me say that. So then I got on Twitter and looked, and David Pollock had tweeted out, and he said, and his tweet was, now I'm hearing Sarkeesian turned it down and I said that's not good and she's like why is it not good I said because if he turned it down that means Saban's done I said the only reason you turn Texas down is because you feel like you have a shot at the Alabama job and not that Alabama is a better job it is right now but now if all things are equal Texas is is a better job than Alabama because just the resources the money people but see you On face value it is, but when you factor in all the egos of the boosters, Alabama's a better job. Nick Saban's got a better job at Alabama than he would have at Texas because Alabama finally had the good enough sense to tell the boosters, look, you can have access to the program, you can have sideline passes, you can go fishing and hunting with a coach, or you can have a winning program. And luckily, we got everybody on board that, hey, let's just have a winning program because I think that's what Auburn saw. You know, they wanted to hire Steele and uh and they they end up hiring harson which i major respect for alan green the ad at auburn man he he went against uh the the powerful boosters halbert and uh i think it's his name halpert halbert uh, Halpert. I'm thinking of Jim Halpert from The Office. He's not an Auburn booster, but I know Jimmy Rain is, <laughs> and um, you know he went against the grain and hired Harson. And I think it's a, I think we've talked about it a little bit. You know, I, I think Harson's going to be on oh, in over his head. But I respect to Green for hitching his wagon to the Canada that he wanted instead of going with status quo, because you know Steele was going to give uh, Jimmy Rain season sideline passes. Hey, let's go to the hunting club. Those days are over, man. You know, Spurrier playing golf during the summer, that's just – that's the thing of the past. You live, eat, breathe football now because look at the money you're making. I can remember when Spurrier w- was the first $2 million coach. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, now I-, I figure Vandy's coach might not make $2 million. I I don't know what Leach makes, but I figure every coach in the SEC is 1.5, 1.75 or better. And, uh, you know, Mike Dubos I think was hired for – three hundred and sixty thousand dollars five hundred thousand i mean it was well under a million when he was hired and dude that was 23 years ago which i guess that's a good amount of time but uh considering the head football coach at alabama in 1999 made under a million and our current football coach makes over eight or maybe closer to nine or maybe actually over nine yeah it's uh, it's daylight and dark but yeah it's um it's you know they had their guy, and and that's fine. I'm happy for Sark. I hate to lose him, but uh, but it's it's a great move for him. You know under before the age of fifty. You know Tom. Neither you or not. Neither you nor I are fifty years old yet, and uh, neither Sarkisian. And in under fifty years of age, he has held the USC job and the Texas job. I no mean. Doubt. That's and crazy. Then, yeah, it is. I mean, the only one I could even come close to comparing it with is Lane Kiffin before he was 40, I guess. Yeah, before 40. He had the Tennessee job and the USC job. Yeah, that's two, but And but, the
1: and the Oakland Raiders.
0: <coughs> true. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> so uh
1: yeah, I think but, Kiffin's got him. Tr- you know, speaking of that, let's let me ask you one question before we get off this topic. I know we're we'll running a little long on the uh, commentary, uh, we've got but plenty
0: of time, Tom. Yeah, plenty of, course, of time.
1: Of course we do. Um, let's say Saban retires tomorrow, and they they come to Jason say, "Hey, we have unlimited amount of money, and we've already taken a poll of every available coach in college football, not NFL, just college." Every available coach in college football, and every available coach is willing to come take this job. Who do you hire,
0: man? The 12 months ago, I would have said Dabo Swinney unequivocally, and I might still say that unequivocally. But dude, he has he is popping off at the mouth like Feinbaum said. You know, Dabo is up, at, he's at that upper echelon, but he's not acting like it. He's still getting in verbal barbs with, you know, he he's getting in verbal barbs with, uh, you know, opposing coaches and, and putting out bulletin board material. I mean, you just don't do that. And you, why do you not do that? Because then Justin Fields hangs six touchdowns on your ass. That's why you don't do it, you know? That is correct. And um, so I, that's, that's a question I'd really have to think on. Uh, you know, I don't know who. I mean, Lincoln Riley, love him or hate him, the dude's super successful. He's on the short list. Dabo's on the short list. Jimbo Fisher is probably on the short list. I mean, he took an underachieving A and M team to uh, to only one loss this year, and uh, and and soundly beat the number three team in the ACC. But what I mean, do you have a candidate picked out, or was that just a question off the cuff?
1: It was off the cuff, but I mean, you have this. You actually hit on exactly what I was going to follow up with, which was. Dabo's Dabo's running his mouth and he just does not seem like the kind of person that i want to represent our university same thing with uh you know dan mullen i just can't see if Mm-mm. they w- now don't get wrong if you're gonna guarantee me those guys are gonna win championships maybe i suck it up but i'll cringe a little bit when i do it you yeah. know i'd rather have between those two i think i'd rather have lane kiffin now he's he is. Uh, he still runs his mouth, but he runs it in a funny way. Yeah, yeah. He's Isn't a
0: lovable. It? He's he's a yeah. lovable because he's, he's not in an- a place that can beat you right now.
1: Well, that's true, but he's also not whiny. And I really here's one thing that I like. Now, don't get me wrong. He was cocky back when he had the Tennessee job, the USC job. I didn't like that at all. He's yeah. come a long way since then. I think he's learned a lot of valuable <laughs> lessons. And now, you know, when you hear him speak or you follow him on Twitter or whatever, he's uh, he's very respectful of other teams, uh, particularly Alabama. You know, I mean, he takes as much pride as in, in some of the players that he knows doing well in Alabama as anything. I can't tell you how many times he's – Hashtag roll tide on Twitter. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean it's so uh, he 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 enjoyed his time here. And you know, and I don't see him doing that with USC. Or he's trolled Tennessee a couple times now. I yeah. give him that, but in a funny way again. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. I, I think there was that. uh now, it was I can't remember exactly what the tweet was, but there was something about, you know, whoever retweets this can get two free tickets to this weekend's game or something or another. And Kiffin retweeted it and put <laughs> a comment in there. <laughs> <laughs> <This is laughs> yeah, this, yeah, it's kind of funny stuff. But anyway, I – Get on to that. We'll, we'll, well, maybe we could talk about that, and I'm not charging. You're charging uh, when we have a little bit more time to think about. Uh, yeah, Close,
0: closing out the coaching search. Um, I locked on Bama. Who, um, when I had the radio show Sports with JT, I had a uh, Jimmy Stein and Locked on Bama. It's, I didn't know this is. A, it's like a huge network. Locked on. You have Locked on Bama, Locked on Irish, Locked on Auburn, and uh, so Jimmy and. Um, uh, Luke Robinson do it, and they're they're pro- We're the forty third best podcast. They're probably top five. They're definitely top five. They might be number one, but they talked about the coaching search and about Auburn's coaching search. And they're like, basically, what you were saying is, it, it, you know, you you fire a coach, the great coaches they got jobs. They're not leaving. You know, I mean, if you're you you don't you're not going to win national title in a a a tier two school. It like like a like a bailer like a TCU you're not winning a national title there so you can hire that coach he's not going to be the sexiest hire or you can go out to uh, you know your your lower your FBS schools and you can get that coach like Luke Fickle at Cincinnati uh, Billy Napier at Louisiana and, and but because you're not hiring Nick Saban from Alabama you're not hiring Dabo Dabo Swinney would leave Clemson for one job and one job only that would be the University of Alabama Brian Kelly even though Notre Dame has no chance of winning the national title which we'll talk about in the very next segment coming up in 60 seconds or less he's what is he leaving notre dame for texas i mean gosh i don't know that would be that probably there's probably two or three jobs brian kelly would even consider leaving you're not getting these elite coaches so you just you hire the best you can and that's what texas has done with sarkisian all right let's get into the rose bowl and the sugar bowl and we had bounced around the idea uh, before we had this podcast because we're going to do a face a little teaser here. We're going to do a podcast next Monday night uh, starting around 6 o'clock because that's going to take me two hours to drive to, to Tom to watch the game with him. But we're going to Facebook Live it. So if you're on Facebook Live and we're going to be live there, and if you got a question, you can call in. We'll give you a number. You'll be able to call in and, and ask us the question live on air. And then, of course, we'll put the podcast out later. But, so we're going to skip the national championship preview. We'll, we'll dedicate 45 minutes to that next uh, next Monday night before the kick. Uh, let's get into the Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl. Man, let's start with the Rose Bowl. Still a gap between Notre Dame and everyone else that is considered elite. I was nervous. I went to the game, had great seats. I was two rows from the very top of the stadium. I had to look down on the Jumbotron. That's how high I was up there. But uh, it was you know, it was a good experience nonetheless. And... Um, and uh, I, I got a text coming through. I was going to make sure that you weren't texting me and said, hey, bro, you're lagging. So <laughs> no lag yet. But uh, they, are, they had 17 seniors. And out of those 17 seniors, I bet five or six were graduates. I mean, they're, that was the best team they have been able to put on the field since 2012 Alabama game, and they couldn't get it done. We went on cruise control. After we went up 28-7 to in the third quarter, we shut it down, you know, because we didn't – and it's smart. I mean, I was irritated. Uh, you know, I did take Notre Dame to cover the spread, and that garbage TD they got did cover the spread. It was very frustrating at the game because I wanted to put 40 or 50 on them. Their fans are so cocky. But, you know, we shut it down because there's no need to show when, there's no need to show Ohio State or Clemson at the time we didn't know who the opponent would be. There's no need to show them anything we didn't have to. Um, you know, and Kelly he he never tried to win the game. I mean he d I'm not I'm convinced he wanted to not get blown out and he accomplished that. He called timeout with one second left. And thank goodness Saban blitzed the crap out of him because you don't do that crap. You know what he uh, you know what he wanted to do? He wanted to get that touchdown and and cut it to ten points. That way they couldn't put Alabama on that graphic that they uh, that they've been putting up that you know since nineteen ninety three. His his record in BCS and the year six bowls is zero for 6, 0 for seven, and the closest game I think was fourteen points or sixteen points, forty four to twenty eight. And uh, you know now we beat them by 17. Could have easily beat them by 30, but we chose not to. But just a just a big talent gap. We hit Devonte on a on a little swing route that any team. Ole Miss, the worst defense in the conference. Vanderbilt, they tackle him for a nominal gain, and he went the distance against Notre Dame. They do not have the athletes to compete with anybody elite. It will be a travesty if they put them in the playoffs again. I understand if they go 12-0, and you've got to put them in because you know they're Notre Dame. But, dude, they have no margin of error. Zero margin of error from now on for Notre Dame.
1: I hope you're right. Um, and it's going to get worse for them because – I said, well, I hope it gets worse for them because that will mean the pandemic's over, which is what I'm rooting for. Uh, If we go back to a normal scheduling next year, then they'll be out of the ACC. And for all intents and purposes, that was probably their route into the playoff this year. Um, You know, if they had swapped... Well, several things. You know, one... They got ACC help by not having to actually play that last game of the season. Oh, yeah. Uh, two, they swap USC for Wake Forest and then canceled the Wake Forest game. Uh, typically, they have a much more difficult schedule, in my opinion, uh, than they had in the ACC, typically. Uh, sometimes they don't, but, but, uh, but a lot of times if USC's decent, and then they hit. Uh, they had been playing. Who had they been playing yearly outside early in the year? Uh, Oklahoma, right? Was it Oklahoma and Notre Dame? Uh, one of the two. But he, uh, anyway, that'll get worse for them. And I, but I agree. I think we could have named our score there, and we just we chose to shut it down. I guarantee you that Nick Saban has no idea that we lost a 35-point streak that was the longest in the history of college football. He has no idea. He doesn't care. <laughs> He's there to win the game. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, uh, about like I was hoping it would go. I was hoping for a little more uh, uh, disparity in the score like, as you were But but survive in advance, I would have taken a a one-point game, which is what I I told somebody before the game, give me two one-point wins here to finish out the season, and I'm a happy camper.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, uh, let's jump into the Sugar Bowl. Man, the the better team won by far, and um, I'm trying to make sure that I don't bleed into too much of what I wanted to talk about on the National Championship Preview. But to me, this was Ohio State's 2009 Florida game. You know, Bama – I'm sorry, Florida beat Bama in 2008. We held the lead going into the fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, Tebow just couldn't be stopped. I mean, third day, every one of their touchdowns was on third down plays that year. And we could not get off the field. And, you know, Saban told them, that's the standard. That's what we've got to become. And we worked all of 2009 on Florida. And it it showed, and that's what, you know, I think that's what happened to Clemson. It didn't help that Dabo voted uh, Ohio State number 11. It didn't, uh, and then then he doubled down and and defended his, uh, you know, defended his choice on Ohio State at 11. It's funny, he said, I think you should have to at least play nine games to be considered for the top 10. However, his quarter his starting quarterback only played eight games all the year because he missed uh, two games due to COVID. And but he had no problem putting his quarterback up for the Heisman Trophy. Mm-hmm. You know, the apparently eight games is fine for the Heisman, but nine games is, is what the necessity for being top ten. And uh, you know, I, but, caught,
1: I caught myself there uh, using Deb's church voice when we we're in here. You know, a pastor says something good just like you did, and I go mm hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh man we're fun we're a fun group here we go off on all kind of tangents uh fields looked as good as he's ever looked in a game i mean that's what that's what you expect to get out of fields and hey listen if they get that out of fields this time next monday night i stand ovation to ohio state congratulations you beat us because you're not going to overcome six touchdown passes and um, Sermon, the, the running back, man, you know, Master Teague was out. And I'm hoping Master Teague is back for the Bama game because every touch that Master Teague gets means that Sermon's not touching the ball. That dude is awesome. He's not as good as Najee as we saw in the hurdle attempt, but he is very good. And, um, you know, the Skalski getting uh, Skalski getting the targeting call on, uh, on fields. Eli looked it up today. At that point in the game, it was 21-14. to 14. Ohio State was ahead. It was third and, let's just say third and eight, third and nine, whatever. Fields takes off. Skalski stops him two yards short. It's about to be fourth and two. If he tackled him legally, it's fourth and two, and they're going to attempt a field goal. So at worst, it's going to be 24-14, to Clemson's ball off after the kickoff. But instead – targeting Skalski and he's not the most athletic kid on the field, but he is a warrior and you know, he, so he's out for the game and which was a great call by the way that, that is a penalty. The way he hit him is the way kids and many midget hit kids. And the coach immediately says, Hey, you can't hit that way. You're going to break your neck. You've got to see what you're hitting. I mean, people complaining that that shouldn't have been targeting, they're out of their mind. I mean, it's just, that's spearing from 25 years ago and That's it's targeting correct. and it, and it should be he should be ejected because it is a dangerous hit it is more dangerous to the hit er than the hit e agreed so uh but you know it just uh, as the next play or next couple of plays you know fields uh, rolls left throws back right dude is wide open 28 14 and that there just it didn't it didn't end the game but boy it really took the the air out of clemson
1: It did, and I'll tell you what, I didn't know who Sermon was until that Northwestern game, and then he runs for 300 in that game, and then I turn around and was shocked if he would do that to Clemson. Well, color me shocked, sir. (laughs) He he almost ran for another 200 against Clemson. That gives me pause uh for sure because there there have been a few backs this year that who've had some success particularly as downhill runners downhill runners are tough if if you can get some uh, momentum and he certainly has it now I'll tell you this and I said this during the game and I still stand behind this they ask fields after the game after the hit that you're talking about from uh, Skalski Ask him, you know, what his diagnosis was in the locker room. And he basically said he didn't get one. <laughs> he he basically said that they they kind of looked him over and asked him if he was good to go, and he was. And and when he got hit and the way that he went out and the way he was wincing and was just beside himself, I was I was like this dude's got more than one cracked or broken rib. You know, there's, there's no way. And so I'm thinking to myself, they will run this through a, uh, an x-ray at halftime and we'll see for sure what's going on. I think they purposely did not x-ray him. Yeah. I think as good as he was playing, that if they x-rayed him and it showed that he was injured, they couldn't in good conscience put him back out there. Yeah. And I think they purposely didn't know, you know, what they didn't know. They didn't want to find out what they didn't know. And now, with all that being said, it would not surprise me if he doesn't play Saturday. It, it I think he will. Well, Tom, I he's think, not
0: going to play Saturday. He might play Monday. Jokes never quit here, Mr. Joke Man.
1: Uh, <laughs> But it, it wouldn't surprise me just just because I, they're not going to announce it if he doesn't. But uh, I expect him to play. I really do, particularly after what's going on. And, and I expect them to say he probably has a bruised or cracked rib after it's all over, but the doctor said that he could go or whatever the case may be. But uh, I truly believe they didn't test him at halftime because they didn't want to know if he couldn't play. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I saw – I don't know what uh, – if it was Coach Day or – I think it was Coach Day, and, and I'm sure multiple people asked him, but I think immediately after the injury, they're like, can you go? And he said, I don't have any choice, you know. And Daryl told me today that their backup quarterback situation – that Auburn is jealous of their backup quarterback situation. <laughs> or no, I guess other the way around, Ohio State is jealous of Auburn's backup quarterback situation. I, they don't oh, have it, one. even funnier. <laughs> you know, they don't have one. And uh, so he had yeah. to go, which there's not many teams that could lose their starter. I think we talked about this. You know, not many teams can lose their starter and and be okay. You know, Bama under Hertz and Tungelvaloa could, and Clemson could. You know, DJ Angugale, whatever. You know, he was battle tested. He played really well this year. Different different skill set than Trevor Lawrence. But they, you know, if, if all four teams lost their starting quarterback. Um, four days ago, Clemson would be the odds-on favorite to win the national title mm-hmm. because of what they had. So, yeah, I, I'm like, and, and I'll go ahead and and Eli I'll talk about him quite often on the podcast. And and he told me we talked about it today about the rib injury, and he said, and I I, I, I likened it to this, and you've probably had this happen. Uh, pick up basketball, you know, you're 22 years old, and and you know, at 22. Things are a lot more intense than they were at seventeen when when your games actually meant something, you know, in high school. But man, at twenty two, dude, you know, you go to the rec center on a Saturday, and you're gonna play. You know, you got plans. You're gonna play three hours. You know, you're gonna get in six, eight, ten games, and game two, you twist your ankle and it hurts. But you know what? You're there. You're already loose, and you're like, I'm gonna walk it off. I'm gonna walk it off, and you do. You're fine. You're you're not fine, but you know, you walk it off because the adrenaline's flowing. And the ankle is already loosened up, so you go ahead and play, and you just you'll deal with it the next day. Well, the next day could you play basketball again? Like, there's no way. You know, you've got to get the ankle better. And I think that's what happened to his ribs. I, I think he's already warmed up. The adrenaline's flowing. I guarantee you, Saturday and Sunday he didn't feel well. And I, let me get back to what why I mentioned Eli. He said he was at the lake, you know, inner tubing. And if anybody's ever inner tube, you know, that's some of the hardest hits you ever take when you get thrown off. And he got thrown off as hard as, he said, as hard as he ever had got thrown off. And it, you know, hit his ribs on the water. And uh, his brother-in-law is a doctor. And he said, you know, he checked him out. And he said, yeah, you know, nothing's broken. But he said, you're going to feel this for a month. And he said, sure enough, four weeks later, he still felt it. And I think that's what we're going to see with Fields is I think he plays because he has no choice. He gets shot up. That's fine. I got no problem with that. It's not dangerous to anyone. You know, it's, it's not dangerous to shoot up, uh, you know, the rib area, I wouldn't think. I, I don't think Ohio State nor Alabama would do anything dangerous to the players as far as, you know, deadening something that could cause career damage. But he's not going to be the same. You know, he didn't run. I, I, I read this on the chit chat boards today. He did not run one designed run or even one scramble after the hit. He would, uh, you know, if, if, if he had green grass in front of him, he would still dump it off. And uh, that's big because while I, I, I fear, I, I'm terrified of Trevor Lawrence's running ability more so than justin fields but fields is very mobile and if if that gets taken away that makes bama's job a lot easier next monday night
1: yeah for sure i agree with that 100 percent. and uh we'll see we'll see who uh who shows up on the field as far as uh how his health is and (coughs) and whether or not he actually plays which we both say he will but uh that's that's a big big factor in the game for sure
0: all right, so let's wrap up the. We're we're way over on time, so let's wrap up. I've got four or five bowls here we can talk about quickly. The cap one bowl was Auburn versus Purple Vandy. Yeah, Auburn is not that good. Uh, Northwestern's better than I thought. Uh, you know they. We watched that game at Texas Live, and that was on the the same time as Georgia Cincinnati. If you ever go to a Cowboys game or any game that involves Jerry World, go to Texas Live. It is the coolest bar slash food area you'll ever see um just a great time there and uh, so was talking about georgia georgia cincinnati you know fourth team in the sec beat the top g5 team thank goodness because if if them or Co- if uh, cincinnati or coastal carolina would have won they would have claimed that bogus national title just like central florida did but you know, play—they're all everybody's playoff expansion. Playoff expansion. Well, how bad would the number one team in the SEC have beaten Cincinnati? How bad would Florida, if all their opt-outs would have played? How bad would they have beaten Cincinnati? Uh, Armed Forces Bowl, Mississippi State, Tulsa, three and seven team beat a ranked uh, G5 team in Tulsa. They also kick their ass on the field uh, in fisticuffs after the game, but again, <laughs> why do we need playoff expansion? There's two prime examples of why we don't need playoff expansion. We beat Notre Dame. We named the score versus Notre Dame. Does anyone think? And and, and if you expand the playoffs, everybody's already said, well, the first round is going to be hosted. So yeah, let let Cincinnati or one of those other also runs coming into Bryant Denny in December in a in a take you know. Loser leave town match. Good luck with that. And the last bowl, then I'll let you comment on all of them. Uh, The Orange Bowl, I was so glad to see A&M beat North Carolina because North Carolina was – that was basically the win that got Notre Dame in over Texas A&M. You know, they beat a basketball school just because, like the aforementioned, Mack Brown is the coach. North Carolina is a good team. But bottom line is A&M was third in the SEC this year. And, uh, and they beat, you know, they beat the number, I guess, three team in the ACC, and that put the ACC record at a robust 0-6. So Yeah.
1: Well, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I think I think the, and, and this is true a lot of years if you look at it close, and, and nobody wants to admit it, because at the SEC as a whole, and I'll readily agree to this, it, uh, often... Beats their chest and braggadocious about, you know, being the best conferencer, blah, 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 so on and so forth. And I think there are a lot of years, and this is one of the years where we get matched up more than, uh, I guess, other conferences as far as we have to play tougher teams. Like you said, you had Auburn – who is our? I don't know, sixth or seventh place team. Fifth, Plays, fifth
0: at best, you know.
1: At, yeah, at, at best. I don't. There's no way they're fifth. Uh, but but nonetheless, they're playing the runner-up in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Mississippi State is three and seven, playing the number twenty-three ranked team in the nation. Uh, Georgia and Cincinnati was, if you can believe it, a fairly even matchup. Eight number eight versus number nine. Uh, Texas A&M and North Carolina. Carolina was a third-place team in the ACC. A&M is, you know, possibly second or third, probably even match. Uh, Ole Miss, you know, Ole Miss was uh, a losing record. They're not on this list, but they were playing a number Number eleven ranked team. Well, number three in
0: the Big Ten.
1: Three in the Big Ten, so most of the teams, with the exception of A and was a higher ranked team of, of North Carolina, uh, but but most of the other teams all played high ranked teams mm-hmm. uh, in their respective conferences and top twenty five. However, you want to look at it, they they played higher ranked teams, all of them, and that's a a theme where it's like, hey, let's. I feel like it's SECs you know, too full of themselves, let's put them in a position where they they're likely to lose a bunch of games and you know what? They did not. <laughs> six and two. Seven and two I guess. Captain Bama's win, right? We were six and two going into the playoffs, I believe. So seven and two so far and have a team in the national championship game, I say that's a solid bowl season, particularly when you had to play up most of the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. So that kind of that wraps us up. I think the only thing with the bets, I don't. I think we both agreed last week we had Notre Dame covering, but I think we also had Clemson covering. So we split that one one and one. Do you don't you recall that?
1: I agree with that.
0: Yeah, you concur.
1: I concur. I should have concurred Good. earlier, Good. but I did concur. You
0: should have concurred. I will tell you one thing we have not used on this podcast this year, and I thought about it is UTE. I'm disappointed we have not worked Ute in in fifteen episodes until right now, which I forced it and that doesn't count. You
1: did. You did. You you should have <laughs> had that Ute that kicked the guy from uh <clears throat> uh who was Mississippi State playing again? Uh
0: they played um uh Tulsa.
1: Tulsa, the,
0: the number Ute four that kicked
1: the guy in the face and then took off running <laughs> that. Look, that was
0: a that was a Tom Sims houndstooth bar fight special. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I I love that quote from the pirate after the game. He he was asking him, you know, because when the brawl started, he was actually over in the stands on the other side of the field. I think shaking hands or something. Yeah. And he just gazes over, and there's a brawl going on. And they ask him about it, and he said uh, he said the the root of it was dumb. No matter what the root of it was, the continuation <laughs> of it was dumb. He says, I'll put it solidly in the category of dumb. Where the dumb started, I'm not entirely sure.
0: (laughs) I used to watch, I know you did too, uh, the old WCW wrestling come on Saturday morning. And I don't remember who it was, but they had a couple of decent bike men back then. And one guy said, this always stuck with me. One guy said, uh, he said, my my daddy told me never to hit a man while he's down. Kick him, it's easier. (laughs) Number four. Number four concurs. <laughs> he
1: concurs with that big time. All right, so, so
0: go ahead, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, so we'll save our national championship preview until uh, uh, until Monday before the game. Is that yeah, what we're gonna do? Yeah, what about?
0: time does yeah. – uh, I can probably be to your place around uh, 6 o'clock. Let's shoot for about 6.15, 6.20 start time. I'll put it out on Facebook. We're going to go Facebook Live. We'll give you a number to call in if you'd like to. You can text in with comments, questions, and we'll try to cover them. And remember, if you're traveling from Boise, Idaho, where Coach Harson is from, to Auburn this weekend, go south till you smell it, and then east until you step in it.
1: Sounds good. Take it easy, guys.
0: When there's no one left to call You feel the time is right Say the right